0: If you will open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11 and follow along as I read today's scripture passage from verses 25 to 30. If you don't have a Bible, you can use uh, one of the blue Bibles that is near you in the seats. Uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Our text can be found on page 816 in the blue Bibles. This passage is somewhere in the middle of Jesus' ministry, and occurs while John the Baptist is in prison when John sends some messengers to him to find out if Jesus is the one who is to come or whether he should look for another. Let us hear the word of the Lord our God. Matthew chapter 11, 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, That you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, O All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reading of the word of the Lord our God.
1: Let us pray together. Lord, bless our study of your word, our consideration of this passage, that we will grow in your grace, that we will indeed come to Christ, that indeed, Lord, we will live under his gracious yoke and learn of him all of our days. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen. In the movie uh, Nanny McPhee, which I've seen two times in the last few days with my grandchildren. Uh, A widowed father is struggling with seven wild and disobedient children. They are manipulative, out of control. They have no boundaries whatsoever. Nanny McPhee comes and as you can guess, eventually restores order to the household. What's interesting is the emptiness and stress of the children before she gets there there the children's shallow raucous laughter and nagging biting dissatisfaction in everything that they do and then the wholeness and deep happiness of the children when they begin to submit to the leading of the new nanny now it's in ideal terms of course but That's the basic story. And we've heard of this, seen it, some of us. Children who had no boundaries, uh, no tender, attentive care, who really are full in their freedom of anxiety and destructive behavior, but who, when brought into a new environment of care and order and wisdom, they begin to flourish. They become whole. Structure brings wholeness in these children's lives. And more than you may realize, that's what this passage is about in Christ's invitation to come to him. There's no doubt about it here that the word uh, yoke that he speaks of here, it means submission to Christ's new environment, his care And instruction. And learn of me in the Greek means learn of me, okay? (laughs) Learn my ways, learn how I think, learn how I trust, learn how I love the Father and how I love people. In particular, learn my gentleness and humility and you will find rest for yourselves. He's calling us to a whole new life, see, a whole new character marked by gentleness and humility. It is in that new environment under his care, in that new character, that we find our rest. So, to submit to his yoke and learn from him is to submit to his good care, Right? It's to leave a life which, like an unruly child, you speak however you want, you think however you want, you do whatever you want, when you want, and it means giving your life over to following Christ and being like Christ. And when this happens, he says there's an actual healing of your soul that begins to take place. As he promised, you will find rest for your soul. Now, first, I want to consider some of your reasons why you might hold back from such an invitation. I mean, here is the Lord of heaven and earth. We would say to you, God incarnate in the flesh, inviting you to come to him to receive rest. Why might you be holding yourself back? Some of you may be uh, thinking, uh, I'll find rest in a yoke that doesn't really make sense to me, that in a yoke, I'm going to find rest. In fact, yoke generally in Scripture is spoken of in a bad sense, a heavy yoke that's put upon someone. You might compare it, as you hear it, you might compare it to someone handing you some cement shoes and saying, uh, you're going to play basketball in these shoes. Here, put these on. You'll be able to jump really high in these cement shoes, I promise. And, of course, you're thinking, no way. That, that just doesn't make sense. So a yoke and rest just don't go together. I don't want to be under anybody's yoke, and I don't want to be under Christ's yoke. Uh, but we can give examples, right, where yokes are not only helpful, but they're absolutely necessary, Uh, easy examples you've heard of before, Uh, like uh, the train that's not on its tracks is not going anywhere. The tracks you see are a yoke. It can't leave those tracks, but in that yoke is the freedom of the train, right? And though there are off-road car races for the rest of us, You have to have a road for your car to get where you're going. You need a leveled, even hard surface, right? You need every obstacle cleared. You need bridges and tunnels and signs and maps. The road or street is a yoke, but it's the only way you're going to get where you're going. It's the freedom to go, the freedom to drive anywhere in America, As you will follow the yoke, as you take the yoke upon you, so to speak. So, we can see how there are examples of restriction bringing about freedom. And here's the key to these, that the train is made for the track. The car is made for the road. Trains, wheels, cars, wheels, they're made for those environments. And you we would say, the gospel would say, you are made for Christ's yoke. You were made by God, for God. You were made to know God. You're made to submit to God. You're made to be like God. That's your track. That's your road. And when you get on that road, you find rest for your soul. So, One objection may be that they just don't go together, but at least we can see in areas where they can go together and they certainly go together in regard to God's yoke upon us. Uh, The other objection that we'll talk about is that you may think, well, I'm free now and I don't want to be unfree. I don't want to reduce my freedom. Why would I give it up? But Christ here in his invitation assumes... That you're not free. This is addressed to those who labor and are heavy laden. You might say that Christ assumes you're already under a burdensome yoke. And he's addressing you as under that burdensome yoke. It's really a swap, you might say. Okay? Okay. A Christ saying, how about unburdening that yoke that's got you bent over and eventually will grind you into the ground? How about taking on this yoke I'm offering you that will enable you to stand up and walk? That will be light and easy. A stray dog in the neighborhoods, barely getting enough to eat to stay alive. You see this dog, you've seen it around a little bit. He's severely malnourished His ribs are sticking through his sides, his skin, his coat is dull and ragged. He has an open wound from a dog fight. You don't even like to look at him, hardly. But you want to help him. You want to take him in. You want to save him. You want to rescue his life, right? And yet the dog is scared of you. He thinks when you hold out a collar and a leash... He's backing off because he doesn't want to be under that leash. You know, he's free, (laughs) free to be a dog and go about and do what he's doing in his malnourishment and his wounds and his sickness and his slow death. And you're basically saying to him, dog, you're burdened. You're weary. Okay, let me take care of you. You want to put this collar on him, but Uh, He doesn't realize what regular, wonderful food means, right? He doesn't realize what clean water means. He doesn't realize what a warm bed means, what medical attention means, what belonging to a caring family means, what being petted means, what sleeping beside somebody at night means. He doesn't realize that one day when you reach for the leash, he will jump up and down with joy to get to walk with you. He didn't know all that. He just sees the leash. And for many of you, that's how you view Christ. You don't see the richness that Christ will bring into your life. You don't see the rest, the wholeness that He will give you as the God who made you. All you see is the leash, all you see is what you'll have to give up, the lack of control. And you don't see what it's all about. The dog was free, right? (laughs) But freedom in this sense means uncared for, unprotected, unloved, unsheltered, unfed. That's freedom in that sense. You want to be free from God. That's your freedom. That's your freedom. The collar actually... In this case, right stands for care and protection and shelter and nourishment. It restricts him, but it's really where he flourishes. And Christ's yoke is just like that. There's care and protection and purpose and hope and nourishment and shelter in his yoke. You will flourish under his yoke. You will in the end die without it. Because you're made for that yoke. You're made to be in fellowship with this Christ. And to be under his care. And outside of that eventually. You you will die. You will, your life will end in death and judgment. And you'll lose so much along the way. So here at least a couple of objections. That these don't go together yoke and Uh, and rest, and I'm free without Christ's yoke. But indeed, uh, yoke means freedom in this case, and you are under a yoke, a burden, a burden that is killing you, so Christ would say to you. And so let's then move from considering these objections or reasons not to to consider finally Christ's command itself. When he says come here in verse 28, come to me, uh, you can see in a passage like John 6:35. This basically means come and trust me. Cuz in John 6:35 he says, "I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst." So, coming and believing are synonyms here. And so Christ is saying in this invitation, entrust yourself to me, rely on me, depend upon me. And as well, then, as a part of that trust, as a vital aspect of trusting me, it's to submit to me and be like me and follow me. You can see that coming to him and entrusting yourself to him cannot be separated from taking on his yoke. Because actually, the last part is explaining the first part. Come to me and receive rest. Let me explain further. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will receive rest. So some idea that I can somehow trust Christ and he'll get me into heaven, but I don't have to trust him so that I submit to him and and seek to be like him. That's just not there. Part of trusting him and admiring him and wanting to put your life in his hands for his rescue is to say, rescue me in a complete way, Lord Jesus. And notice how he addresses it in a saying to those who are labor and heavy laden. He's not saying to sinless ones. He's not saying to together ones, but broken ones and helpless ones. And the main issue of the gospel of Matthew and the main issue of all the gospel, what the gospel addresses in terms of our problem, in terms of our burden, is that of sin, that of our rebellion, the evil of our heart. This whole gospel begins with the angel announcing to Joseph, you'll call his name Jesus because you'll save his people from their sins. So right from the outset, this is his name This is what he will do. He'll rescue his people from their sins. And later, Jesus says in chapter nine of Matthew, he says, I have come for this purpose, not to call the righteous, but sinners. I'm specifically here to rescue and call forth sinners. And later in chapter 20, he says, I've come to give my life a ransom for many. That means to suffer and die in their place so that they will be set free from sin. He comes to rescue us from sin. And so Christ sees us in our sinfulness. He sees the burden and tragedy of our lives the brokenness of our lives and he addresses that and we more or less see it in ourselves but he addresses it nonetheless and he addresses those that see these things in their lives and he addresses it in a way that we might begin to see these things in our lives he sees that we labor because we don't enjoy the favor of god that's a great burden of life The great brokenness of life not to enjoy every day in some sense and a growing sense the favor of God in what you do. That is a tragic loss of your humanity. The whole point of living on this earth to enjoy the favor of God. And secondly, he knows that we don't have the character of God. Think of these two things as we focus on this. The the burden of our lives is that we don't enjoy the favor of God and we don't know the character of God. As we are separate from him, sin by nature has ruined our relationship with God, estranged us from God, and we. Under sin, stay away from God. We don't want to think about God, or we make God to be a kind of God that doesn't care about our sin. We can't think of the true God and our sin, and and bring that together. We fear His judgment. We don't understand or don't sense His kind purpose for everything that happens in our lives. We don't know and and believe that He'll finally remove from us in this world all evil and all the agony that comes from this evil. That's what it is to be burdened with sin, burdened with the life that's separated from the goodness of God. Paul describes it in Ephesians saying, when you were apart from Christ, you you had no hope. And you are without God in this world. There it is. There's the description. The essence of this being burdened and broken and heavy laden is that we have no hope ultimately. We're simply going to die and go away. We're without God in this world. And so Christ in the first place has come to rescue us from that and to bring us into the favor of God. But he also is bringing us into a new character like God. He knows that our sinfulness brings its own burden and he appeals to you who are tired, oppressed and worn out from your sin. You're frustrated by your habits of sin. You're beaten up by your sin You're sick of your sin. You feel something of the misery of that sin. The weariness of never really knowing God, never knowing forgiveness and freedom of conscience, but only the guilt of sin. And this includes not only your own sin, but just the general sin that you suffer from others and that you suffer in this world. It includes the pain of this broken world that eats at you, that sometimes just flat runs over you. Rejection and feeling despised and feeling unimportant, insignificant, meaningless, shattered dreams that you've suffered, ruined hope and loneliness, despair over losing an intimate relationship, the prospect of never having a relationship again, whatever you might name, of the pain, the horrible pain of this broken world that you either have inflicted upon others and you're terribly guilty over it or has been inflicted of, of, upon you and you're just you're wounded by it. Both are open wounds. <laughs> Both are open wounds. And so Christ wants to bring us rest from the terror and judgment of sin's guilt he wants to bring you into the rest of knowing god's constant favor upon your life in which when you are joined to christ and identified with christ the favor that he has with god becomes your favor and you can live in that favor every day You can live with a sense of God's smile upon you and even know that in judgment day, that smile will still be upon you. You will not face judgment for your sins. That is rest. That's a new freedom of conscience that Christ comes to bring you into hidden in Him, accepted in Him, beloved in Him, with all your guilt gone, judgment for sin is gone. And you have rest from the draining, hollow, oppressive separation from God, rest from perpetual failure to earn acceptance with God, the painful uncertainty of what will happen to me when I die, the gnawing anxiety that life simply is meaningless because you're brought into fellowship with the God who made you. You're brought into his favor through Christ. And as well, rest not only in the favor of God, but rest in being like God. Rest from the power of sin's dominance in your life. The rest from self-seeking that we all wallow in. True love to God and true love to man begun in your heart is a rest for your soul. Those whose joy begins to be love to others, they alone are at rest. And apart from that, we are, you might say, in the distress of selfishness, the distress of self-will. That's why Christ says, learn from me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. Some have taken this to mean I'm meek and lowly. Therefore, I will not rule you with harshness. But you see, the word humility is never really used in that way for Christ. It's always his example. Like when he says you're to serve one another because I came not to be served, but to serve, to humble myself. Paul calls Fourth, the example of Christ in Philippians 2. And he says, you're to humble yourself to one another because Christ humbled himself to give himself for you. And so Christ is calling us out of our self-will and our self-focus to a life of concern and humility to others. You and I must be released from our self-fixation that mires us in anxiety and fear so often, wondering more about what is going to happen to me. And what people are going to think about me, what people are going to do to me or not do for me instead of walking in the freedom of how I can give myself away to others in every situation. How can I enter into their lives? How can I genuinely enjoy them? And and love them as they are, where they are, not because of what they can do for me, but because this is a human being and I have the capacity, the wonderful capacity to care for this person. That is rest for your soul. That is rest for your soul. It frees you from gossip. It frees you from backbiting. It frees you from challenging. It frees you from jealousy. It frees you from envy. It frees you from in, uh, anger. I don't mean absolutely and perfectly, but I mean progressively. Your life enters into rest when you follow this glorious Christ. Even in suffering, even in suffering, You see the apostles in Acts chapter 5, they are beaten and they go forth rejoicing. And you know that they're not saying, gosh, I wish we weren't receiving these stripes. I wish we were back fishing on the the lake of Galilee. That was really rest. This is not rest. They define that as rest and peace and shalom and wholeness and joy. Because they had the most absolute significance in life. They had the absolute purpose and glory that they were serving this God and holding forth His love and grace to the world, whatever the cost. That was rest to them. It's interesting when Christ says that my yoke is easy. The word there, <clears throat> the Greek word Christos, is actually the word for Kindness used so often in scripture my yoke is kind it's a happy thing it's a blessed thing matthew henry says it's a yoke lined with love (laughs) in it you have the favor of god in it you have without it all the comforts of the world don't mean anything And so you take on the you you enjoy the favor of God. Increasingly, you walk in the character of God and therefore have the happiness of God and the rest of God, the rest of Christ himself, because of your taking on a new character. Interestingly, this passage quotes in one phrase, at least Jeremiah six Where the Lord says, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And so you, I would, I would say to you that you're kind of like the stray dog, right? Christ is offering you this gracious collar to say. Come into my house. Enter in to the favor that I have with the Father. The favor I've earned through my own suffering. Enter into love and care that has already been demonstrated on the cross. That's the kind of care. That's the kind of sacrifice I make for my people. That's how much I care for them. Come into that care. And come into the favor I have with the Father. And come into what I will give you, a whole new character. And as we see throughout the New Testament, by His Holy Spirit taking over your life, the Holy Spirit entering your life and beginning to work on the deepest parts of your life to transform you from within. And the context, though we don't have much time to deal with it, is very important because Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me. And he says, no one knows me but the Father. And no one knows the Father but me. And he, he indicates by this the infinite capacity that he has. The, intimate, uh, the infinite intimacy that he has with the Father and has always had. The equality with the Father. They know each other. But here's the key. He says, and to whom I want to make him known. This Jesus will bring you into the bosom of the Father where He is. He will make known to you the beauty and glory and goodness of the Father. You probably, some of you here, still can't conceive of it. Just like the dog can't conceive what care will mean for him. You can't conceive of what the care of the Father is. But Christ says, I am the one that can bring you into it. That can make you taste it, that can impart this for the whole of your life and bring you into a relationship with the Father that will never end, even in a renewed earth one day. Come to me. Come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Let us pray. <laughs> oh, Father. Thank you for giving us the Lord Jesus Christ. And O Christ. Thank you for graciously calling us to yourself. Calling us out of all. Of our dying lives. To enter into the new life that we can have with you. In the favor of the father. And in likeness to the father. Oh Lord bless us. Draw us. Impart the Father to us. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.